When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Second down three. Fake to Lindsay. Here they come. Griffin has them. Down he goes. It was only a matter of time before these two terrific defensive ends would notch a sack. That's the first, and Everson Griffin gets him back at the 27. I don't even know how to put that into words. Uh, he's, he's a vet. You know, um, young guys look up to him. He, he works hard on the field. You know, you can't, you can't mistake his film. It's cool, man. I've been with him for a while now. It's, 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 uh, it's been awesome playing with him. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. It might not be an awesome thing for much longer, depending on what happens with Everson Griffin. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone on the phone, Courtney, our newsbreaker, Courtney Cronin, who broke the news this morning that Everson Griffin is opting out of his contract, making him a free agent. What's going on, Courtney? I'm driving through Western Wisconsin right now, so not a whole lot. <laughs> Uh, find the small restaurant that Judd and I got insanely good prime rib at before a game against the the Packers. Uh, I'll see if I can remember the name. So let's uh, let's just start off, Courtney, with Everson Griffin opting out. What does that mean for him and his future? Well, I think there's a number of different ways we can look at this. Like first off, the Vikings had to make this move uh, one way or the other. Whether it was Griffin choosing because look clarify here he's one of two players in the nfl the other one's troy hill in los angeles um who had a player void player controlled void in his contract so it was his decision it wasn't going to automatically void whether he hit the sack number or hit the playing time it would have been in the end of uh, at the end of the day it would have been his decision and obviously it was which is a smart move um because the vikings were not going to be able to afford him at the 13.9 million dollar cap hit that he has in 2020 there's just no way we know that the team going into free agency was, you know, estimated to be somewhere between 10 and 12 million over the cap. Um, they had to make this move in order to get themselves back in a secure financial position. And they're certainly not even done yet. This kind of gets them to ground zero and they certainly have a lot more work to do. But um, for Griffin, it means he's a free agent and yes, he's on the roster until the, new, the first day of the league year, which uh, is when free agency starts in March. But, um, you know, the way he's played in this year coming back uh, after some of the, you know, off-the-field stuff, the personal concerns he was dealing with in 2018, 
I think shows you that he still has it. And I know that we talked about this on Tuesday when we were going over various scenarios before I knew this news um, of what could happen for him. But I do think that the best place for Everson Griffin is going to be in Minnesota uh, to come back on a restructured deal just like he did last year because, you know, Everson had a chance when, you know, going into last offseason, he had a chance to go and bet on himself in free agency. He could have said, no, I'm not going to take the restructure. Uh, I'm going to go look somewhere else, and he didn't. So I think that clearly tells you how the player feels about the team that drafted him, that stood by him for 10 seasons, that you know helped him elevate his status to a pro bowler that was there with him as he dealt through some mental health concerns in 2018 that forced him to step away from the game for a little bit, uh, and also helped bring him back and give him this opportunity where he got to start at defensive end last year and didn't have to look over his shoulder and worry about becoming a rotational pass rusher. So um, it means he's a free agent. That's the bottom line. But, you know, is he going to go somewhere else? What's his trade market look Or excuse me, what's his, um, like, free agent market look like? I think his best fit's going to be in Minnesota. I mean, there are other places that are always looking for pass rushers, and the value of a pass rusher is high. But given the things that I just spoke about, I do think that he would have his best years to come still at the end of his career in Minnesota. Totally agree with you, especially because you look at the other side, you have Daniil Hunter, so you're obviously going to have success on that field no matter what, but do you really think that he's not going to want to say for the first time, like, hey, listen, I kind of want to test the market and see what's out there because defensive ends are making so much more money now. Wisconsin! Way to go, Wisconsin! Wisconsin! Your men's basketball team and your phone reception are the worst. Mm. Ugh, mm. flopping. Anyway, I, I uh, agree with what Courtney said. I think that he should he would absolutely benefit the most from staying here. But I think that for him to be like, hey, listen, I don't want to at least test the market a little bit, would be something uncharacteristic of a football player. I had the same thought myself when Courtney reported this this morning that he was opting out that. I think he might want to see because rotational pass rushers who are in their 30s or even guys who can play uh, at, at you know the whole game like Everson Griffin still can still bring a lot of value. Even somebody like Justin Houston was excellent this year and Terrell Suggs Huge. comes back for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and, and is a good rotational player for them and he's much older than Everson Griffin. Um, Courtney, I'm not sure if you heard what Alex asked you before it zoinked out because of Wisconsin, but... Uh, do you think that Everson Griffin would be interested in testing the market because it's a position of such high priority for a lot of teams? Just to let, to, before I start that, I'm going to preface, I pulled over on the side of the road. That's how much dedication I have for both of you. Um, I have my flashers going. If I get hit by a semi, then Boone, you can have my headphones. I guess no. that's probably the one. That... Don't say that. Um, no, but <laughs> to answer your question, I think that you got to look at the situation last year and apply it here. Um, Everson had a chance to hit free agency last year when it was very clear that they were not going to be able to afford him at the cap hit in 2019, and he came back on that restructured deal. Um, I think that he's had a good precedent ahead of him to learn kind of from from guys who have done this before. Uh, I wrote about this last spring with the Jared Allen situation and kind of comparing that to where he had spoken about, you know, had he stayed in Minnesota and not gone to Chicago. I mean, you know, 
the grass isn't always greener. And I think that there are examples that Everson has learned from, has looked at, uh, guys who are ahead of him that show him maybe the trajectory for my career that fits best is me staying in Minnesota to play another two years and maybe continue to do these short-term deals where, you know, he either has to restructure or it's a void situation again. I mean, whatever it is, his best fit is probably going to be in Minnesota instead of testing out the market in free agency for a number of reasons, simply being that if you, like I've mentioned on the show multiple times, if you go somewhere and you don't perform at the level that they expect you to perform at, you could be out of the league in a year. And I think in Minnesota, they know him so well. They know what makes him work in a defense and, and, and the ways to make him successful um, that it's probably his best fit and in his best interest for the rest of his career to stay in Minnesota. Agreed, but now you have to take a look because you said it. They just broke even by letting go of Ev, and you've already reports that Dalvin Cook's not coming back this offseason. Like, hey, don't expect him there until he gets the deal he needs. The purge has clearly already started. The question is, who's next, and who can they bring back after they let go? A good point. I think Lindell Joseph is the first one that we're going to look at beyond Everson Griffin because that cap hit is way too high uh, for you know a nose tackle on the other side of 30. And, and beyond that, there's just not a huge trade market for, for true nose tackles. I mean, it's not like he really plays three technique anymore. I mean, we haven't seen that in, in a number of years, but um, I think that he would be probably the next cap casualty because you have Armand Watts, you have Jaleel Johnson, you can play a rotation between the two of them um, in lieu of in lieu of Joseph if he doesn't come back at a restructured deal, which you know realistically it probably makes sense to be about a third of that, maybe half, because eleven million is pretty high, and you get about ten and a half in cap savings if you cut him. Talking with Courtney Cronin, ESPN, she broke the news this morning of Everson Griffin opting out of his contract, making him a free agent. So what do they do if Everson Griffin, say, signs with Seattle or something? And and then you're left with, you have to probably still move on from Linval Joseph. You don't have Everson Griffin. You really didn't have anyone creating pressure from the three technique last year, except for Afadi Adenabo and Steven Weatherly mixing in over the guards. I mean, the defensive line is pretty barren without a whole lot of assets to fill it back up, Courtney. Yeah, I think, first off, like at the Combine, you're going to be looking at defensive tackles to begin with. I mean, that is a position of need. It's not like the most pressing need, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. But if Griffin does say, hey, I I want to go play somewhere else, even though, you know, that press conference right after – the Vikings lost in the divisional playoffs. He did say that he wants to, re- you know, he enjoys the year. He wants to be a Viking. Um, if he decides that the money is too good to pass up somewhere else and you can't fault him for that, the Vikings have to go to the rotation and they probably have to either find a defense, another pass rusher on the maybe tier two and tier three market because you just can't afford the top of the line with your cap situation and all the other things that are pressing needs. Um, or you draft somebody um, and, you, and you continue to build out your team and develop that way. But I do have a really strong belief that Minnesota wants him back here, certainly, but also will be able to work out a deal just because his market is probably at its best. His value is probably at its best in Minnesota. Like, let's point out the basics here. I mean, he's been here since 2010. It's a team that drafted him. This is a defense that he knows very, very well. His athleticism certainly has not gone anywhere, as we saw from that uh, stretch in the playoffs where he was an interior pass rusher. I mean, they did that to be able to get to generate the 
in the pocket that they just didn't have with their uh, aforementioned defensive tackles. So I think that he has a lot of value and a lot of benefit and is a really big part of defense still. And if he, you know, if the bar is seven or eight sacks, he can get you that even at 33 years old, which is the age he turns this season. Absolutely. Totally agree with that eight sacks next year. But here's a question. Who is it put more pressure on now, Anthony Barr or Daniil Hunter? Well, I mean, Barr is a good one, Alex. I think that maybe with Dom Capers in this defense, his room and in coming up with some ideas, uh, what Mike Zimmer said, well, hey, did you think of it that way? Well, haven't we been thinking about Anthony Barr as a pass rusher for, I don't know, the last like few years, and it's never really happened? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the chance now that you can actually make Anthony Barr uh, into an edge rusher, into somebody who does it more than just on an occasional third down in, in a various sub package. Like that could be the chance to a live up to the you know the pay that they the money that they set aside for him when he came back last year, and also do something that he's you know he's talked about wanting to do it more frequently. I think he kind of quieted on that for whatever reason last year, but he certainly has been very vocal in the past about wanting to be a pass rusher, and this could present an opportunity to do so. Uh, Courtney, I wrote today at scorenorth.com, our free website, what should the Vikings do with Riley Reef? Um, the best thing I could come up with is to give him a contract extension, which sounds really weird, but let me explain. If you don't think a rookie can step right in and you can't get one of the top free agent tackles, then you're probably looking at overpaying an average free agent tackle, which, guess what, you're already overpaying an average tackle to begin with. (laughs) So the only way to lower his cap hit is to extend him like they did with Linval Joseph, and you'll end up just cutting him down the road. That's the best I can come up with. What is your sense of how they feel about Riley Reef? He's the conundrum. Like, it's a really tough one to decide upon because, like you said, you're probably not going to go – Unless you want to trade Stephon Diggs, if you want to start that stuff back up again, if there was something on the table for an offensive tackle, I think you'd listen. But in the real world, uh, where we are right now, I mean, that's just not, that's just not on the table. Um, so I think that that certainly becomes a priority in the draft for them. But in the short term, it makes sense to, to try to get his cap number down and try to give yourself some flexibility financially to go after other positions that you need because he's done a fine job. He's not elite. He's not great. He's good. And I think that that's all you kind of need right now until you really are ready to move Brian O'Neill over to left tackle. And like Alex was mentioned on the show, I mean, it's not just as simple as you think um, of doing that this year. So maybe it's a possibility. Maybe it's not. Maybe you lower his cap number and, and continue to toy around with the idea of moving him inside the guard. I mean, I know that that was a hot topic last offseason. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that comes back up again just because we're just trying to crunch the numbers and figure out how to make this work and maybe try to fill, fill another position of need at left guard, and then it leaves another hole. So, I mean, it's just, as I said, a giant conundrum, but you know, reducing his number does reduce the cap, uh, the cap hit that comes with it. Courtney, am I really to believe that the Vikings want to trade Stephon Diggs away? No. Did we Thank talk you. about this already? I, yes. got, I got all huffy and puffy on Tuesday. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, unless there is something you cannot refuse, like unless it you know, puts you in, in line for the number two pick, like we've talked about, like if they really do, if they really can't work out an extension with Kirk Cousins and they need a quarterback and you don't want to wait till the second round or – you know, get somebody at 25 because who knows might be there at that point. If you really wanted to move up, then then sure. But I think in the in the sense of 
the getting a tackle. That is the only time, if I was pulling the strings, that's the only time I would really entertain it because you're not just going to give him away for free or, you know, feed into any sort of hysteria that's expanded upon social media. Um, you have to have a reason to do it. I mean, he's too darn good to just want to give away. And I, I know that the Vikings do not want that, and that's not where their head is at. Who has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney, our draft scout. All right, Courtney. Well, we've got you here. It's time for Courtney, our draft scout. Would you prefer to talk about the Vikings possibly drafting a safety in the first round as Mel Kuyper has them or whether Joe Burrow will snub the Bengals and demand a trade? Pick one of those two topics and talk about it because you are Courtney, our draft scout. The Antoine Winfield, Mel Kuyper projection the other day, because I wrote about this in my story today, just trying to figure out um, how you would fit guys under the cap and, and who needs to get paid and who's going to move on. And it was really interesting that he put that out there this early in the free agent process. And I say free agent process, because I'm talking about Anthony Harris. Right. So if they yeah. draft Antoine Winfield uh, Jr., then – you have a chance to not have to pay Anthony Harris and have two safeties that would have incredibly high cap hits. I mean, over the cap, I believe, has the franchise tag tender uh, for a safety at like $12.7 million, something in that neighborhood. And that's why, I mean, this team doesn't franchise players ever, it feels like. So I don't think that that would be uh, where they go, but that's just one of the figures I'm looking at here. Um, let's say he has a, you know, get somewhere between the 8 and 10 range. I just don't think that they can afford that. Um, and they could probably argue, too. And I think Anthony is a tremendous player, a high-character individual, like the type of guy you want in your defense. But the Vikings could go to the negotiating table with, with uh, his representatives and say, anybody who plays next to Harrison Smith is going to look really, really good. And they're not saying that he, Anthony isn't a good player, but you know they could probably find somebody via the draft, potentially, uh, for far cheaper than what Anthony is going to make in free agency. And, I mean, he's certainly going to get paid, whether it's with the Vikings or not. I just feel like in terms of pressing concerns for Minnesota, uh, he might out, outprice himself as one of like, the top safeties in the free agent market to begin with. Who has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney, our draft scout. It's true. It's true. Uh, Courtney, great stuff. Uh, you can see her article at uh, ESPN uh, about the news with Everson Griffin that he's opted out of his contract. And we will be back together at the Combine. There is no higher peak of Courtney, our draft scout, than at the Combine. Courtney, are you excited? I am, and, and one of my editors actually sent me an assignment today because you know all the interviews are taking place later in the week, and we divvy them up. Guess which position I have to go? Long snappers. Uh, be, yeah, like is it going to be any perfect? <laughs> okay, well, I'm looking forward to that. We will see you then. Thanks for coming on and pulling over in Wisconsin. Drive safely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, for sure. Uh, that drive to Wisconsin, man. Super fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of corn and the potential for deer. Um, but Judd and I had amazing prime ribs in the middle of Wisconsin in a tiny little town that I couldn't even tell you what it is. Uh, not a surprise to have great meat and cheese there anyway. So uh, let's let's break some of that down. Where do you want to start? 
Alex. I mean, I just want to know, and you got to be honest with me. Do you think he really opted out, or do you think they came to him like, hey, listen, here's the dealio? Do you mean, here's the dealio, as in you have to opt out yeah. so we can resign yeah. you? Yeah. Because we're not bringing you back at a $14 million cap hit? Pretty much. That's why my, my biggest thing is, if you're him, and I know eventually you have to understand it's a business, dude. This is a business, no question. But are my feelings a little hurt? Because I did do a lot for you last year, and I helped a lot of guys in the process. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I get that I'm not $14 million, but like... I can test free agency now. I mean, I really, if I'm Ev, and it's such a prime position right now because everybody yep. wants these pass rushers to go just demolish quarterbacks because quarterbacks are the reason that everybody's winning because they can throw the ball so well. So it's like, dude, you are in a really prime position because, yeah, you are 33 years old, but you're about to hit the open market, and that's where you get overpaid. And mm-hmm. I agree with Courtney that sometimes a bad year can end everything, but that's a risk that I think most guys are willing to take. Like, hey, listen, I've done it here for this long. I can do it somewhere else as well. And and people just go crazy when free agency kicks in. They start overpaying for all sorts of things. We've you seen have this to. every sport every year. Once free agency starts, somebody is willing to overpay for anybody that's good on the free agent market. Everyone starts licking their chops and making that phone call. And even though Everson Griffin presents somewhat of a risk for teams because of his age, his performance last year was above average. It was not where it was in 2017. And that goes for a a lot of players in their thirties, but, uh, you know, eight sacks. He was also in the top 25 in pressures. I mean, this is a guy who is still extremely effective and draws a lot of attention from opposing teams. And I'm not saying that Daniil Hunter isn't everything he's made up to be. It's just that it doesn't hurt to have teams looking at Everson Griffin. To be exact, he was 14th in the NFL in pressures. He was only four pressures behind Khalil Mack. So he had a great season, and I I think that there will be a lot of interest. The hard thing for me, Alex, is to get inside Everson Griffin's head and know whether he wants to just stay in his house that he has here in Minnesota. Or, you know, I mean, he knows the team, he knows the facility, he knows his friends, he knows guys on the defensive line. It's a very comfortable situation here, and he knows who the head coach is. And Andre Patterson, as you know, is really close with those defensive linemen. All those things would probably play into a decision of whether to stay here or take whatever the highest dollar was. And I think, too, a lot of it's going to be, what does the rest of the defense look like at the end? Because if you're him, you got to be like, listen, who else is going? What am I coming back to? This is going to look completely different. I mean, it's already started, and you know it doesn't get any better from here because you've just hit zero. Like, you're just at, like, hey, we're good to go into the season and play. And already your defense looks different. And then not only that, but then your running back comes back and is like, hey, listen, I wouldn't expect me to be here anytime soon. Like, that is... And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for saying this, because I am a player, but it's hard to do. It is hard to sit there in August and be like, really, I deserve more than what I'm getting. And you do deserve oh, I'm it. I'm sure but it's very it's hard to do. It's so hard to sit there and be like, those guys are having so much fun without me. This is terrible. <laughs> Right, And the team is finding you, and everyone's mad at you, and you're talked about in NFL Network every single day for Lindsey coming back. Oh, of course, someone someone of his stardom level most certainly will be. Um, I I don't know what his plan is going to be, but Tom Pelissero said on NFL Network that he wouldn't expect him to show up if he doesn't have a new contract. Tom Pelissero. What does that mean? I just... (laughs) I want to know where these guys get their information. Oh from. yeah, like, well, this, the off season just started. Like we've yeah. there barely been any cuts, and all of a sudden Pelissero is going to be like, I wouldn't expect them. <laughs> 
I says think, who? I, I think it's more of just, uh, and, and I'm not going to speak for him, but it's just common sense, right? right? If you're a running back and based on recent history, you're probably not showing up or... You are the other option would be doing something like, oh, uh, my ankle, my ankle, sorry, can't practice. I'm just going to sit over here and my ankle will heal as soon as you're ready to <laughs> sign me to a contract extension. It's I think that's just going off of common sense. Um, yeah. But, you know, that that's one of the issues it presents for the Vikings is even if you get a reasonable cap hit in the first year of Dalvin Cook, because he was a second round pick, his cap hits going up. And and you have to make a decision at left tackle, what you're going to do there, and at defensive tackle, what you're going to do there. And as you said, even with uh, the fact that they have uh, Everson off the books at the moment, they're still just barely over the salary cap. So bringing him back, well, how are you going to do that? Are you going to do a two-year deal that has a lower cap hit in the first year and allows you to get out in the second? Well, why would he take that if someone else right. was going to give him two years guaranteed? You know? Right. And, that, and that's what it comes down to. Is you can, there's so many ways to look at this and be like, well, we can do this. But then you have to remember, that player's going to look at this deal and go, well, I'm not stupid. You're clearly just mm-hmm. going to use me for a year and try and get out of this. Like that, You have to remember, both sides can think about it, and both sides can talk about it. And I like your idea about the restructuring of Riley, but I think that what you're trying to, like, it just pushes you back into a Brzezinski moment where you're running into right now. And then eventually you have to make those decisions. Yep. Because I agree with you. I think that Riley is a good left tackle for what this league is. He is very overpaid, but sometimes you're like, man, we can either overpay Riley or we can overpay the same guy in a different name or a guy like Jason Peters who's only going to play eight games this year, so is our backup confident that he can play eight more games? It's just... You're right in what you're saying. It's just I'm wondering if they don't go to him and say, hey, listen, we're not even going to restructure. We're just going to make it take less. Like That's just how it's going to go because we're in a bad situation. We need more players. You know we need more players, and we're already losing half our team. Right, right. And that's the thing is that if you think that you're going to win and you're going to compete for the seventh playoff spot, which we'll get to uh, shortly, but if, if that's your goal is to win the NFC North, which doesn't seem unreasonable at this moment for the Vikings because Rodgers is washed. We don't know who the quarterback of the Bears is, which is going to come up in uh, hot routes a little bit. And uh, it seems like Matt Stafford and the Lions are mad at each other and Matt Patricia has no idea what he's doing still. So, I mean, if you're in that division and they're adding playoff spots, you're not going, oh yeah, let's dump our left tackle who's average for a roll of the dice. Last Last year, Andre Dillard was the guy everyone talked about. Oh, he's going to be a great pass blocker in the NFL. And he got smoked in the NFL in his first year, as rookies so often do. And so if that's your plan, oh, we'll just at the 25th pick, we'll just draft a left tackle and plug him right in. Oh, yeah, uh, Khalil Mack's playing against us next week. I'm sure it'll be fine. Right. So, you know, I I think if you're going to stay with that edict to continue to try to win, you have to keep Riley Reef in place. Agree, because not only do you have Khalil Mack, but you have Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith. Yep. Like there are more people in this division, but I do like what you said. Like this division right now, if you were looking at it, you'd be like, "Man, the Vikings really do have the most potential to get over every team in here." Because, like you said, the Lions are still the Lions. Detroit or uh, the Chicago doesn't know what they're doing. And say look it. what happened, dude. Say look what happened. Rodgers is washed. I'm not gonna say he's washed. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that that team fooled everybody last year. And we've talked about yes, how many they times like, that dude, great. Yes. we were like, dude, this team is really not. They're just sneaking away with weird wins, and mm-hmm. it's gonna catch up to them. And it did. Like they're the team that everybody thought they were. So when you're going into this situation, you're like, hey, listen, we really are just a couple pieces away. We could probably plug and play a few guys, but one of the biggest pieces is threatening to not come back. And so you're like, dude, everybody on this team needs to start biting some bullets to help us out. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about this proposal Mm. for 
the seventh team on each conference in the playoffs for the NFL. And I'm going to explain how I have been influenced, my opinion on this, by the NBA All-Star Game. All right? That's when we return. I know you're a huge NBA fan, so we'll talk about that when we come back. Here, you'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears. Maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like, you built a company, and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly, so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Dale Tondrick's retirement playbook will air at 9 a.m. this Saturday. An hour earlier than usual, Dale Tondrick offers insight and expertise into retirement savings. And you can listen this Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But Desmond Howard was on Get Up this morning was talking about all those reports that came out late yesterday about the NFL's change in their CBA. And one of them was that there's going to be seven teams per conference in the playoffs. And his reaction was this. Guys, the most exciting time of the year, NFL playoff time. There's nothing like it. You're going to tell me that they're going to add another team and not another game? I think that's brilliant. I mean, why do you think college fought to have a playoff so hard? Because college, college football, I mean, playoff football is amazing. It's going to be more intriguing. And like you said, Swagoo, now these games, especially later in the season, they're going to be even more important. The best price on everything golf is over at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. February 21st through the 23rd at the Minneapolis Convention Center. All advanced paid tickets come with 21 green fee passes. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com to buy your tickets. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar on Purple Daily. Alex, I'm going to read you a list of teams and years. Okay? Uh, 2019 Steelers and Rams. 2018 Steelers and Vikings. 2017 Ravens and Lions. 2016 Titans and Buccaneers, and 2015 Jets and Falcons. Uh, Do you think any of those teams would have won the Super Bowl had there been a seventh team in each conference allowed into the playoffs? Uh... That's way too hard of a question, so I'm going to say no. The answer is no. I I can help you with that one. That all these teams are bad or mediocre, and they would have had no shot. And and, and a great example is actually the 2018 Vikings. They would have been in the playoffs, but by no measure are they a good team. Other than, okay, they had an above-average defense, but offensively, they were really bad. They fired their offensive coordinator. They fell apart in Week 17 against the Chicago Bears with the chance to go in the playoffs. And now, that's a playoff team? That team right there that might have been the worst since 2014 under Mike Zimmer, that's a playoff team. Okay. You're bringing me down a bad road, but I'm going to have to do this. Like Back in 2011, the sixth seed came to us. And they beat us. I know. I know. It has happened. Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. Like, it has happened. I love this idea. I absolutely love it. And not only that, but you took a bye week away from somebody. Dude, that is ruthless. I love it. So I, I've been thinking about this through the lens, though, of the NBA All-Star Game. And I'll explain. Uh, because the NBA All-Star Game made a big change to how it decided who won, really. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they had to reach a certain number of points, which was 157 
it was how many ever they had by the third quarter plus 24 to honor Kobe Bryant. Okay, this sounds very convoluted. And when they first came out with it, my instant reaction was, oh my gosh, just play basketball and whoever scores more points wins. Right? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Then they put it into practice, and it was amazing. The guys had to reach that number. They started playing hard. All the starters were out there in the fourth quarter. Giannis Antetokounmpo was talking trash to James Harden, who he really doesn't like. And those are two megastars talking trash and competing hard in an all-star game. What? And it worked out super well. And and even with Major League Baseball going to the one-game playoffs, I would have said, ah, don't do that. Baseball is fine. Just leave it as is. And it was better. So I will say this. I don't initially like this because I don't care to put a bad Rams team from this year or Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph in a quarterback into the playoffs in 2019. I think the 2018 Vikings didn't deserve to be a playoff team. But I know when it's put into practice, that will mean more football and it will probably be super fun. Absolutely. It's going to make it way more competitive. I mean, you talk about only one team gets a bye week. Like before, it was like, okay, the top two teams. So you're like, well, all right, we're in the playoff hunt. We got a good chance. Now it's like, dude, listen, we really got to be the best team if we want to advance the farthest. I love it. I think it's great. It's more football. It's more entertaining. It puts the second seed on their heels a little bit more because you're playing a team that, like you said, most people are going to go, dude, this team doesn't deserve to be here. Well, you know in the NFL that just makes the team more dangerous because they're like, really? You're going to count us out already? Okay, now we're going to really come after you. Dude, I think this is going to be one of the best things they've done. What I don't like is adding that extra game. That, I think, is stupid. Yeah, that right, the 17-game season. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of that either, and you being a former player, I, I just can't imagine what that is going to tack on to people's careers to have to play an extra game. I mean, if you're a rookie coming into the league with 17 games, immediately you know, you get a couple of years in and you've already played an extra quarter of a season from everyone else. That's even if your team misses the playoffs. If you win the Super Bowl and then add 17 games to it, you're talking about, what, potentially 21 games in a season? I mean, already these guys, by the time they reach the playoffs, are totally exhausted and beat up and bruised and in need of surgeries and everything else, and now you're asking them to do more. I, I, I would be so much more into giving owners more playoff revenue with extra teams making the playoffs than I would the 17-game season. And maybe that's the solution is they decide to do this instead of that. You know, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that, especially because I know that they just summoned the NFL owners back, which is obviously a big sign. But my biggest question is, why are they so in a hurry to get it done now? Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's not because they're about to have a new election for president. Of the, of the NFLPA. Hmm. And I know how those guys at the PA feel. They're like, listen, dude, you want an extra game? We want a lot more money. And I just, I'm so curious as to why all of a sudden now everything's just happening so fast and we're going to add another playoff team. We're going to start adding another game. Like all these things that you're like, wow, you know, players are really cool with all that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you say yeah. so, I guess they are. But I would be very skeptical of what they want in return. And if they really are that close to being done with the deal, because. What, two weeks ago, we were like, these guys aren't close at all. And now all of a sudden, they're like, come back. We're, we almost have it done. Like, what changed overnight? Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that when you say, hey, listen, we're going to give another team an opportunity to get into the playoffs. Well, that, that'll spark a lot of guys because instantly, the, like, the teams you just read off, all those guys know who they are. And they're like, dude, we were so close to making it that year. Mm-hmm. We could, that could have been us. Like, that's going to, but then in turn, you want another game, which, which leads to more injuries, which just leads to more problems, which just leads to more guys getting hurt and being like, why did we add this extra game when we didn't have it before? It's just, 
I, I'm curious as to why all of a sudden it's going down so fast. But Adam Schefter quoted a source in his piece saying, it's not done yet, but I'd be surprised if there's not a new deal before the new league year, which starts very soon. Um, so it does sound like it's going in that direction, and the players would see their revenue increase a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, he he says he's reporting 48.5%, and I believe it's 47 right now. So there would be a tiny bit of a percent share, although it's of a gigantic number. 10 billion. Um, yeah, and, and if you're talking about adding an extra game, then there's going to be, by his reporting, $5 billion in revenue to the player side, which, you know, Pretty good. Not not nothing for sure. And and maybe that's what it comes out to is we'll give you a little higher percentage, which is a a, a tiny percentage of a huge number is a huge number, and they'll go for it because they may not have the leverage to say no, and they have to take the best deal that's on the table. So say the say the league's worth ten billion now, so you're giving them one and a half percent. What is that? What is it equal to? Like a hundred million dollars? Yes. So you're giving the players an extra $100 million, and their cap is only at 200 so you're basically going to bump it up to $300 million? I mean, significant, right? That is pretty significant. Uh, clearly, the, the players have won. And that's why, when from before, I was talking about your, uh, your email, talking about the, some of the contracts. Like, that would change a lot of people's opinions about the contracts. Like, instantly, players, I think, would be like, okay, yeah, we're all good. Let's just keep moving forward with this new one. So uh, the other day, I hope you have this, Jonathan, uh, Blake Barrett's was on NFL Agent, and I asked him about how it would change negotiating process even as we go to the Combine, thinking about the possibility of adding all this extra revenue and whether you want to sign players right now before the 17 games is in place uh, or if you want to wait and see what happens. The only way it influences it is I just think the dollars are going to continue to go up. So you want to... You just have to prepare accordingly. You know, you don't want to tie your player. If you think he's a young ascending player, uh, right in the heart of his prime, you may not want to do a four, five, or six year deal that's going to look, that's going to pale in comparison to the market four years from now. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about this, Alex. Kirk Cousins' contract. Mm -hmm. What if they signed Kirk Cousins? Because he is a very savvy gentleman, and Mm -hmm. so is his agent. Uh, as we saw from playing the Jets against the Vikings to bump up the Vikings price and then getting the highest deal at the time of all time. So um, if you're Kirk Cousins and they come to you with a contract extension that's, say, five years, you might say, "Mm, we're going to go to 17 games, and by the fourth year, the third year, that it's not going to be worth a whole lot compared to other quarterbacks. How about a two-year contract extension that takes us right to the time when we're going to go to 17 games in 2021, and then we go from there? Or a one-year contract extension added on to where he is now. On the Viking side, would you be okay with that? Would you be interested in that, a deal that would take him through only 2021 or 2022? Yeah, and you're saying because that's when all of a sudden the extra $100 million is going to yes. get put into place, and that's when contracts And that's when he boom. wants to be a free agent, right. Listen, I've said this before. If a player has earned his contract, he absolutely deserves it. So if you're, he's like, hey, listen, because this could go the wrong way. I'm telling you, I've seen this done before. Like, hey, we'll just take a two-year deal. You're like, wait, what? Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to do. If he goes out in two years and all of a sudden he's a Super Bowl quarterback and he's, he's a Super Bowl MVP quarterback, yeah, you're looking at having to pay him a ton of money, but he'll be worth it. Like, there's nothing wrong with paying a guy that's worth it. Now, if you get there and you're like, hey, man, we're still at square zero. Like, we're, we're, we're not any better than we were two years ago. We're sorry. We're going to let you go. Well, now all of a sudden, 
you kind of walk into a really nice position because you're like, hey, we don't have a quarterback on our books yet, but we have an extra $100 million that we get to spend somehow. And by then, I mean, it'll probably be more than $100 million, But talking about, like, that's actually not a bad position for the Vikings to be in. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do that, if they were thinking about extending Kurt. Like, hey, listen, we'll take you right up until that 17-game season just to see what you can do. If they're all bottom, I would see them doing that more. And, and this sort of brings up the question of what I wrote the other day for our website. Do you think that the window has closed on the Vikings' chances to go to a Super Bowl? And there's a pretty good argument that it hasn't. Um, because when a defense falls apart, if you have a defensive mind, and now several defensive minds, including Dom Capers, and you've developed players as they have, and you're savvy in free agency, and already have some stars still... They can maintain a good defense. Even when this defense was at its worst in 2014 under Zimmer, they were 11th in points allowed. So they were still reasonably decent. If you signed Cousins to a contract extension that took him right up to when that windfall was going to come from 17 games, that would allow you to continue right now to put pieces around him on the offensive side and take you through, assuming Diggs isn't getting traded, take you through the primes of Diggs and Thielen, well, bringing up Irv Smith into his prime and potentially signing uh, Cook to an extension in through his prime as running backs do not have very long primes at all. And then when you get to the end of that, you're talking about probably a full rebuild. Right. And the, the question, though, is, I mean, where is Rick sitting right now? Because he knows yeah, exactly a great question. What, what we know. Dude, this is it. This is make or break. So I think he's like, man... Not only have all the cows come to roost, but now our running back saying he doesn't want to be here. We have so many question marks about what we're going to do at quarterback, but I think that's the least amount of worry you should have is where the quarterback position is right now because, number one, you have him under contract for this year. And who's to say, hey, listen, dude, you're clearly not a priority for us right now. we got other guys threatening not to show up. We're losing guys that we really need to help build this team. So you can wait, and you can wait until the end of the season. And if things go right, dude, we'll give you your two-year extension, whatever, to make everything And if you think about it, that's really fair around both teams because it's like, hey, listen, we haven't really done anything since you've been here, but we like what you do, so we're going to keep you for another two to see if you can help rebuild this with us. Mm-hmm. And then if you do everything you say you can do, dude, you're going to walk into a huge contract. I mean, that's... That's fair on both sides. That's right. It allow it would allow Cousins to hit the market at the very right time on his last contract, more likely than not, because he is 30, and that would put him at something like 33. Oh, and, that's young. And then, yeah. and right, and then he could play another, maybe he's good for another four or five years. He's been really, really durable, so you wouldn't expect a huge fall-off. And plus, it's not like he does it with raw and pure athleticism, as we know. Uh, so, you know, I mean, if they're going to do it, I like the idea of making it through, say, 2022. Give him a two-year extension to what he has right now. So you lock him up until then. It works out for everybody. You could play through the rest of what you think is your team's prime. Now, I would say the counterpoint to that is if you don't think you can win a Super Bowl with him at any point then you should just say, all right, we've got to do something else. We've got to look in a different direction for the quarterback position. We've got to draft someone. You've got to trade up. You've got to look to the free agent market next year and just let him walk. Um, But I I tend to think that your point about Rick Spielman is a good one, that the front office cannot be looking at this like, yeah, we're just going to take a long-term approach here. I mean, they've had a lot of pressure on them, and even all the stories last year about overhauls and things like that if they didn't make the playoffs, I think the pressure is within the next couple of years to reach a Super Bowl, or then it's kind of over for everybody. Oh, I think it's this. I mean, dude, I think you're, we're 
we've gone down a line where it's like, hey, man, we really need something to happen this year yeah. or else there's going to be drastic change. And then you think, if I'm the owner, right? Like, Say I'm the Wilfs. Do I want to handcuff the next guy? Because we've talked on this show, like, how intriguing. What's the one thing we say about new coaches? Well, his quarterback, ah, boy, good mm-hmm. luck with that, dude. Yeah, or right. it's like, bro. He's got an open spot. He can get anybody he wants, and the cap's going way up. Oh, they're walking into a juicy spot. And then you have a defense behind it that's been known to stop people and be top ten. Like, you're walking into a really prime position for a lot of coaches that wouldn't normally want the job like that. They'd say, hey, listen, I'm absolutely up for it. So that's that's another thing. If you're the Wilfs, you have to start thinking that, too, because what does Kirk Cousins do for you long term? Does he make it an attractive spot if something were to happen with Zim and Spielman that we need to say, hey, listen, we've had our run and we've had our fun? Yeah, I think he would if he was on that short-term deal. It, let's say this year it all implodes and Dom Capers... He just tears it apart from the inside. <laughs> He's a secret spy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> from the Packers, they have sent Dom Capers to Got the him. Right, so he ruins the defense. Uh, Anthony Barr finishes the year with zero sacks, and everything goes to hell. And, uh, you know, whatever. They go 5-11. and 11. So they decide, all right, Zimmer, it's been a good run. We're going to change out everything. If you had uh, Kirk Cousins under a short-term contract extension, I think that's still a pretty attractive job because you know – Usually, at worst, you're going to be seven and nine or eight and eight with Kirk Cousins, and at best, you're probably ten and six or eleven and five. It's one of those you know low floor but low ceiling as well, or high floor low ceiling type of thing. And so you know you probably can win with him as a quarterback or at least decent, but that you're not locked into him for the extent that you're there. So if you sign a five year contract as a coach and you plan on being there a few years, you can move on if you want to. I disagree with that. I think that if you sign him to an extension, you, you're 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 forcing a lot of people to probably not want to take a job just just because of exactly what you said. No coach is like, well, guys, at best we'll be ten and six. So uh, should we go start practice? I mean, nobody <laughs> right, wants right. that. Everybody wants to be like, dude, at best we're sixteen and zero, and soon to be seventeen and zero. Everybody's always striving to be the greatest. If you sit there and say, hey, listen, here's a mediocre quarterback. You want to take this job or not? Most most coaches are going to go, dude. Look. <laughs> can't scramble at times he's under duress he just doesn't look good no i don't i'm sorry i don't want that job as opposed to saying hey listen yeah we need to fill in some pieces here but you can have whatever quarterback you want and we will help you go out there and get whatever quarterback makes you happy that will all of a sudden you'll see people coming out of the woodwork like yeah i'm interested now in that like coaches that are retired will probably come out of retirement (laughs) yeah yeah, i'm in point i want that and you got a great running back i want that job it's you know it's a little bit like this um it's like people who have um, kids who are graduating from high school and they think, well, my kids are probably going to party on graduation night anyway, so let me make sure that they do it in a safe way. Yes. It's sort of like this for the front office of the Vikings. Uh, let me make sure that you guys sign Cousins in a safe way. <laughs> you, you don't give, you don't, you don't, right. Like, nobody's driving here. We're, we're going to, you know, I, there will be adults around to make sure you all are safe with your graduation party. There's going to be somebody to say, sign them to a two-year deal so you're safe, so you're not locking in for five years and then it does become harder after that because if they did have to move on and you have a deteriorating roster two years from now you're not going to look at it as an attractive place to be but if you had cousins on a short-term deal it would be so much more i think and most attractive if you really thought you were going to change coaches which i don't think they do but if they did would be to have them just play out this year and then see what happens yeah agreed and I mean, I think that we kind of disagree on that because I think that all of a sudden when you look back at seven, eight years, it's like, listen, 
we had a great run. At this time, we're losing defensive players, and that was the one thing that kept us the most competitive was mm-hmm. our defense was fierce, and now we're having to lose players, number one, to free agency because we can't afford them, and number two, to age. Like We can't keep doing this over and over, and you see this all the time with this league. I mean, look at Mike McCarthy. I mean, yeah. I know he coached for the Packers, but you have to have a great deal of respect for that guy, and eventually the team just goes, hey, listen. We're going nowhere fast. Yep. We're going in yep. circles, and we're just throwing money down the tube when we could have a championship because we've had so much talent wasted. Like That's when people start turning around. Is they see all these great players that get old, and they're like, how did he get old and we didn't win a championship? I mean, we, That's what pisses the owners off the most. Even teams that do win, you'll see coaches throughout the history decide that the team is fading and it's time to go. Mike Holmgren ends up going to Seattle and they give him like the keys to the entire franchise and he goes to a Super Bowl against uh, Pittsburgh, but he just yeah. he just up and left Green Bay and up and left Brett Favre. Like, well, you know, okay, uh, I think this is probably going on the other side of the mountain here. And Bill Parcells, I think, retired several times every time. <laughs> every time it looked like his team was kind of done. Like, uh, I'm worried about my family and health. Um, and then he would come back and coach somebody else. And just so happened, I think this is the cleverness of Bill Parcells. It always just so happened to correlate with the team that was on the rise and had been bad. Uh, you know, so the New England. Patriots. He shows up there, and they just so happen to draft number one overall quarterback, this guy with an amazing arm, Drew Bledsoe, and, and they just so happen to be terrible for a while and built up draft picks and good talent, and Parcells is the genius to put him over the top. Not saying he wasn't, just saying uh, that's part of his cleverness was good timing. So, really good you know, I mean, but, you know, where I'm coming from with that is I think the ownership believes in Mike Zimmer and that they think he can continue to keep them competitive. But it can always change in the snap of a finger. They go 5-11 and 11 this year, and their defense ranks 23rd in the league. They're probably making a change. That's the way I look at it. Agreed. And I just the way that this offseason has already started, it's not on the rise. I mean, you already talk about Diggs wanting out, which Maybe. there is... Dude, there, whether he does or doesn't, let's just put this to rest. The team does not want to trade Stephon right. Diggs. Regardless yeah. of how he's acting, what he's doing, they're like, dude, you're in the backseat right now. We have bigger fish to fry. That's fine. Go throw your tip over there. Everyone's like, oh, the, the Vikings are trying to get rid of him. You don't, you don't turn around and go, hey, listen. Our best players really pissed we're not getting them the ball. Get rid of them. I'm sick of hearing, <laughs> right, right, I'm yeah. sick of hearing that our best player wants the ball. He'll get the ball when we say he gets it. Like, no. Maybe we should get him the ball. Uh, yeah. It's not hard. They're not like, you know what? You're right, Stefan. We need to get rid of you. That is not right. But then all of a sudden, your running back's like, listen, I'm not happy either. And you've already had to start purging your defense. Like, this is not the offseason that you wanted in the year that you're about to have. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, I would say this about Stefan Diggs is I was doing a radio hit somewhere else, which is just an interview with another radio station. And the host said, well, you know, Diggs is always always making noise or always causing problems. It's like, you know, really that I no, I mean, just doing something with your own Instagram that you probably didn't expect anyone to even see is not making noise and causing problems. And I went back because I care about all of you people and watched <laughs> every interview I could find of him at Radio Row. I knew he was there because he would have to be promoting something. So he was promoting some car or whatever. So he does interviews with CBS and with NFL Network and with USA Today. I watched a bunch of these. I spent an hour doing this last night. 
I found zero times where Stefan Diggs even hinted or indicated that he wanted out or that he wasn't happy or that he didn't like Kubiak. And, and he talked extremely highly of Kevin Stefanski. So th- the idea that the guy is pulling some Antonio Brown thing because he changed to Patrick Starr on his Twitter as his Twitter <laughs> avatar, it's like, <laughs> what is going on here? What? Yes, there was reason to talk about whether he was happy or not. There's no reason to treat this like he's a guy out there causing some sort of ruckus because he did something with his Instagram. Uh, dude, I, I I firmly believe that what he was doing, he wanted to show a little bit of something. Like, could hey, be. Listen. Yeah, could like, be. Let's, we, we can't all be that blind. Like, oh, he didn't mean to do it. Now, he was clearly he's a little upset. But you know what? The most passionate players get upset quickly. And it's, sometimes it's hard to bring them down. But at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? He's one of our brothers. He's a teammate. We love him to death. He's huge for our offense. He's just a little upset. And he's right. We do need him to get at the ball a little bit more. I mean, there's nothing wrong with I think that some people look at this and they're like, oh, he's throwing a tip. He's only throwing a tip because you're making a big deal about it. He's not the one out here saying, listen, trade me. Right. I'm done with this. He said I nothing. Wanna... He didn't say a word. Everybody, like Florio's over here speculating, oh, he wants out. Shut up, Florio. No, he doesn't. He <laughs> loves this team. Are you kidding me? He's just passionate about it, and he wants the ball. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and he, I mean, so he indicated in one interview, he sort of hinted at, early on we were running the ball a little more than I wanted, which is probably a vast understatement. In one of the interviews that I watch, I don't know which one. But then, it was weird. They started throwing him the ball, and then winning, and then Kirk was good. And it's like, oh, what? You've got to be kidding me. Uh, so, yeah, I know. I don't want to sit here and say that Diggs is happy. I'm not him, and I'm also not his social media translator either. And and that's where I just, there are certain grounds that I'm not going to step on. And I am not stepping on the ground of, well, he did this thing on Instagram where he removed a Vikings picture, so that must mean that this, uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. It also doesn't matter if he's mad uh, right. because he's under contract and there's nothing he can do about it. Um, so it, it's just... What frustrated me about it is there's some validity to talk about his standing with this team and and whether he's happy, and we have discussed that quite a bit, and whether he wants to go forward with Kubiak and the 50-50 running and stuff. But there's also this, are we really doing this? Is this really the way we're doing journalism in football is, oh, uh, Patrick Starr, that means he thinks he's a star and wants to be traded to Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, I've got it. Like That's ridiculous. That's 100%. We need to stop doing that. I'm so glad you said that. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, dude, whether he's upset or not, he's going to show up and he's still going to play. He was one of the best teammates I ever had. I mean, the guy at times, and you could see why people want to make these huge, oh, dude, he deleted everything. Like, but dude, that's not real journalism. You can't talk about that. Like, he was just having a bad day. He's upset. He'll be fine in a month. Can you explain further on the teammate thing? We were like two minutes, so do it quick because uh, we have to take a break. But I just, people, I, I've gotten way too much of this. Like, oh, is he is he a malcontent? Is he a big problem? Like, no, yeah. I've covered the guy for four years and that was the only issue that ever happened was in week four. Absolutely. I loved him as a team. I thought he was great. He was a huge competitor. I thought the one thing that always showed up was his physicalness and blocking. Like He was always a te- great teammate. And when, he, when the ball was up in the air, he would give you the best chance to catch it. Like The guy is so competitive. And at times, you'd be like, dude, Diggs, calm down. But you love that as a teammate. Like you, People forget that this is a barbaric, violent sport. And it's supposed to be played at a loud tone. And people are supposed to be crazy and upset and throwing things. Like That's how this game is. So for if it was the teammates that weren't like that that I was like, what's wrong? with that guy does mm-hmm. he not want to be here today like you know Diggs wants to play he is constantly in the huddle like he's got those big eyes and he's looking at you he's like come on man come on you're like all right all right <laughs> i'm coming all right let me alone like he was the guy that would get you fired up and he's a receiver like i would equate him to anquan bolden 
Like, because Anquan was one of the guys that I would have stepped in front of a truck for. Him and Randy and Stefan, like those guys, they'll give you everything they have and they never shortchange you. And I respect that about their game. Well, I'm really glad that you explained that because I think people misunderstand when they see on TV someone upset on the sideline that that must mean they're they're throwing a fit or that they're a bad teammate. And you don't always know the context of it. And right. uh, I, I've never found as a reporter anyone who has said to me off the record or on the record, yeah, dude, he's he's not a great teammate. Like Everyone has the same opinion that you just expressed. So uh, we're up against it. Let's take a break. We've got some routes, and they're Ooh. hot. So that's what's going to happen next. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. All right, back here on Purple Daily. We'll do hot routes in just a minute, but I wanted to circle back on what we were just talking about um, with Stefan Diggs and his competitiveness because I feel like, Alex Boone, it is worth rehashing a little bit about what happens on the sidelines with guys who compete the way that Stefan Diggs competes. And, you know, we just we see something in slow motion of someone yelling. And especially when it comes to certain players, wide receivers specifically, it always seems to be taken as, well, this guy must be having a meltdown. He must be demanding the ball. And there is uh, breaking news here that all receivers are not Terrell Owens, <laughs> right? <laughs> or AB. Right, right, exactly. And uh, so, yes, uh, him the way he acted in week four was unacceptable to just not show up for yeah. practice. Of course it was. And I'm sure some of those meltdowns on the sideline are frustrating at times for teammates. But at the same time, the way that he competes is how he goes from a fifth-round pick to a superstar NFL wide receiver. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes you have to understand that most guys are emotional because it is a physical sport and you're asked to do so much. And when you don't, that when the outcome isn't exactly how you expect it, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be with like him getting the ball. Sometimes it's just the way the game's going, the flow of the game. Like guys get upset and there's a lot of yelling. I think that nowadays it's shown more than it used to be mm-hmm. because back in the day there used to be like fist fights on the sidelines and guys <laughs> would like, but you never saw it because they never showed the sides. But now all of a sudden, hey, listen, we know that the Vikings sideline can get a little crazy. So if it does get a little crazy, start showing it, no matter what they're saying, because they never really tell you what they're saying. How do you know they're not out there screaming at you like, dude, you're doing a great job i am yes, so yes. proud of you like, <laughs> you never know what they're saying and sometimes they're just yelling because number one it's loud in the stadium number two you're really excited and hyped up and you can't tell how loud it is so you're just yelling because that's how the game's going it's there's so many things that go into it and i think that as much as people look at it as a negative thing like my god he's starting a fight a lot of times it's just like hey man we're good we need to go we need you know it's guys pushing you to be like hey we're okay or maybe something's bothering you and he's just letting you know bro it's okay we have to move on we don't have time for this and it comes off in a different light you know and uh one of the NFL films cameras or mics picked up digs and the sideline of the Saints game, and he looked like he was losing it. And what he was really saying was to Kirk, "You, get, you know, trust me. Keep looking my way. Go through, go through your progressions. Trust See? yourself. St- stuff like that. That's just, I mean, a, it's it's not anything 
exceptional. It's what guys say to each other. Right. Um, but it's also, you know, in, in a hyped-up fashion, so it looks like he's calling out his quarterback or something else. And I think just like with the Instagram thing, we take a little tiny bit of information and assume we know absolutely everything about a guy and about where he stands. And I talked to B.C. Johnson for quite a while about the seventh-round draft pick, about how every day – he and Stefan Diggs are working together. He's learning from Stefan Diggs. He's watching him run routes. He, he's he's you know teaching him things in film sessions and everything else. That's the way a lot of teammates look at him. And and I think his public persona, he's had a very I think difficult time maybe knowing how to express himself publicly. Uh, to, even when the week four thing, he comes out and does his little fake cough. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, okay, man, no one's really going to buy that. But even on Twitter, it's always been that way. He's not one of those guys who's really natural about expressing himself on Twitter. And so it's always been kind of cryptic and weird tweets. And I, I guess I look at him as through the Vikings eyes. If I'm in the front office, I'm not seeing this guy as a problem at all. I'm seeing him as much more of what can we do to make this work, because if we can't figure this out, that's going to be a major problem for our team, because you're good, and people like playing with you. Like we just said, there's nothing wrong with a playmaker wanting the ball to be a playmaker. Like right. So many people look at that, and, they, and don't get me wrong, there are times where there is frustration, and, and I think so many people, and I don't know if it's because it's 2020 or what, but they just can't handle like an open fight. And so you see two guys fighting, and you're like, my God, that's crazy. In the NFL, that's like every other day. Mm -hmm. They're fighting with somebody constantly. because training camp all the time. People Dude, all the time. It's how it goes. It's the way the game is. It's how one alpha talks to another alpha. And it's like, listen, I know you're not going to listen to me unless I talk really loud and kind (laughs) of look at you really mean because you don't think I'm serious, but now I'm getting serious. And you used to see it all the time, but the media blows this up. And I think a lot of it is directed at Kurt because, number one, his relationship with Zim. And obviously we know Zim's kind of like up and down about it, but the way that that goes, all of a sudden people want to put this narrative out that Kirk's not the team, that they, you know, the team player they think yeah. he is or yep. the franchise. So instantly when someone's talking to him, like remember last year when Thielen was trying to, you know, hey, listen, I'm, I'm showing you my hand motion. Like I did this and then I did one of these and you weren't there for it. And like that's, hey, listen, you need to hit me when I'm open. There's nothing wrong with that. This yep. football, he's pissed. He ran a route perfectly and the ball wasn't there. I'd be pissed too. Diggs is the same way but more emotion. You know, he's one of these guys that gets super fired up before the games. I used to love Diggs before a game because you don't see receivers like that. You know, normally you see him kind of dancing around, doing their <laughs> thing. They're in their own little world. Like, yo, yeah, totally. Diggs is more like an offensive lineman. He's dancing around but running into people and like headbutting you. And you're like, all right, <laughs> this guy is for real today. We better get him the ball. And I'm glad you said that because if you don't get your playmakers the ball, don't expect to go very far in the playoffs. Like He's right. one of the guys in the league. Well, he has to be, what, first in deep balls? Is it, is, I think I heard somebody say that. Like, he's yeah, incredible. 20-plus balls that traveled more than 20-plus, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, we, need to get the, we need to give him the ball more. I don't know what else to say. Like, right, we got to yeah, start coming up with better concepts. Right. we got to start coming up with a better offense for our playmakers because when you don't, you kind of do have a right to turn around and go, hey, man, I'm getting a little pissed over here. Not because you're not getting me the ball, but because we're not winning. And right. I could help us win, and so could he, and so could he. And we're just not really doing a lot of this. And I get that sometimes we have to run the ball, but we have to be more creative in how we do it going forward. Yeah, and if you're Gary, see, I, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that Mike Zimmer didn't respect Kevin Stefanski, but I think there's just a different level with Gary because of everything he has done oh, yeah. in the NFL. So I, I think the offense should just be entirely up to Gary, and he should be saying, "All right, Stefan, what what can we do here?" Because Lining up on the outside and running deep routes every single time is not the best usage of 
of Stephon Diggs, I, I think you have to use him in, in both short passing and the deep passing game to make sure he's getting the ball in his hands because it's super efficient. When you look at the numbers, no matter how he's been used, it's really efficient and a great idea to throw it his way. Agreed. And I think that he's one of these guys that when you get him the ball right away and you just say, hey, listen, here's a whole bunch of open space, do what you want to do, that's where he's naturally going to be creative. That's when he's like the Stefan Diggs that you want to see. Yeah, he's great running a huge 20-yard dig route or a deep post or whatever. But every now and then, you got to get him the ball sooner. And it can't be these silly gimmick plays that everybody knows is coming. Like You have to be, the next, you have to be on the next step of creativity. How am I going to get? Some of the greatest playmakers in this league, the ball. Well, I'm just going to somehow hand, him, hand it to him. I'm going to throw it to him. I'm going to start throwing more slants. I'm going to start throwing more screens to him. Yeah. I'm going to start developing this offense, not only around my run game, because we've said this before. There are already people going into next year and have already sat down watching film like, we got to stop the run. So now while they're worried about the run, make them worried about more than just the run. Make them worried about Diggs getting the ball. How do we stop Diggs? How do we stop Thielen? How do we stop Irv Smith Jr., Rudolph? Or, you have so many weapons at your disposal. And yet you're just like, okay, we're going to play action as simple as this. And, you know, and as the year went on, it got more creative, but it still wasn't there because Diggs didn't get the ball enough and Thielen didn't. And I know Thielen was hurt, but when he's out there, I mean, you got to somehow fight. I mean, you should have been toasting defenses and it just did. It never really showed up. So I think that that's why, like you said, Zim has more respect for Coops, number one, because he's older and he's been around the block more. He's been a head coach of Super Bowl teams. I mean, he's done all the things that you need to do to hit all the Hall of Fame requisites of being a coach. And so now all of a sudden you're like, hey, listen, it's completely up to you. So I think there is a little bit more pressure on uh, Kubiak yeah. that people give him credit for because all these things are slowly happening to him. Like, hey, we don't have a running back right now. We don't, uh, receiver needs the ball more, and not right. because he's upset, but just because naturally if we want to win games, we need to get him the ball. So there is more pressure on the OC right now. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You, uh, you want some hot routes? Dude, I love hot routes. All right, let's do it. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! 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 Red falling! Blue poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 397! Okay, let's make it rapid fire here. Judd Zolgat in for Hot Routes. As you might expect, Alex, he heard there were routes and they were hot, and so he's here. As long as they're hot, I come in. Of course, Jonathan's involved as well, so let's get going. Let's start it right off. Mm. Uh, We've been talking about Instagram and Stephon Diggs a bit here. Derek Carr posted a picture on Instagram of him and Khalil Mack hugging, which means he's going to Chicago. How many wins do the Bears have next year if they traded for Derek Carr? Judd, begin. Uh, I still don't like the offense the Bears are running. I'm not sure this thing works entirely. I have questions about Matt Nagy. I'm going with nine wins. I'm not sold on the Bears. I also... Uh, we'll go back to what we talked about last summer, which is are you going to recapture the magic of the defense where you scored a ton of points on defense now two years yeah, ago? Unlikely. My be. answer is you probably aren't. I'm only going to go nine. I, I He's an improvement car. I like him more than Trubisky, but I don't know that I love the system. Alex? I was going to say the same thing. I don't, I'm don't. i not sold on this offense. <laughs> my natural answer was more than they had last year, and I looked it up, and they had eight. I was like, my God, they had eight wins yes. with Trubisky? Like, th- where was I for all eight uh, wins? Chase Daniel got one of them oh, against go, the go. Vikings. But you got to, I mean, <laughs> exactly. it, Derek Carr to me is more capable than Chase Daniels and clearly more ch- capable than Trubisky because yes. most of the routes Trubisky throws end up coming to, to, to comeback routes. Like, everything he throws is so short. I think that if you just put a better passer in, you're naturally going to get two or three more wins just because Matt Nagy is a smart coach, and I think that once he has somebody that doesn't handcuff him to a five-yard route, it could be interesting to see where this defense goes. 
I give him one or two more wins just because Derek Carr is a better passer, but Derek Carr doesn't have the mobility that Trubisky has and the ability to escape a collapsing pocket that Trubisky might have. So probably one or two more wins. They really can't make their team much better on offense in terms of weapons, but I think Trubisky was so bad last year that if they added Derek Carr and their running game was a little bit better, they were one of the worst running teams in the entire NFL, then I think you're talking about a 10 or 11 win team right there because Derek Carr is kind of perfect for what Matt Nagy wants to do. Get rid of the ball quick, get it into playmakers' hands, but Trubisky isn't even accurate on throws that go five yards down the field. And, and, and that's at least what Derek Carr can do. All right. Uh, Greg Robinson was caught with 157 pounds of marijuana at the border. Wow. And he could face up to 20 years in prison. That is right. Wow. 157 pounds, a kicker's worth of yeah. weed. And uh, he, he could be yeah. in a lot of trouble here, which was weird because he's made like $30 million during his career. But I guess drug pins do make more than that. So kingpins. So um, I want you guys to just give me your best Greg Robinson joke. 157 pounds of weed. Greg Robinson, first round bust. Weed. I, I guess we know how much weed it takes to get over a Cleveland season. Okay, love it. Oh my God. Good. love it. Collar, just go ahead. You wrote this for yourself. I, 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 mean, did. Come, I did. This is I did. so well, not about. I had to get it in there before his. Though. No, and good job. But this is so not about me or Jonathan. Just no, go ahead, Collar. Come so, on. Uh, Everson Griffin said in 2017 when he was getting ready to go up against Greg Robinson, he said he's pretty lazy in his technique. Turns out he's not lazy. He just had other hobbies that were distracting him. Ooh. That's okay. It's not really like a one-liner like Alex's. Is. I feel like I tried to help you. Setup. No, that was good. It was just different types of jokes. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm staying out of this The routes were hot, but this one's too hot for I me. I was going to say it was just Declan was the one I was going to go with. Like 157 pounds weed, you get it. Is Declan even 157, truth yeah, be told? probably More not. than my brother and my four-year-old combined. <laughs> All right, let's just move on then, if you have no other jokes. Um, Nate Newton. Emmett Smith, a man who once held out with the Cowboys, said Dak Prescott should take less money to stay in Dallas. (laughs) At what age does this happen to you, where you just become a massive hypocrite? Like, is that, does that 40? About about 45. About 40? About 45. (laughs) When you're like, kids, get off my lawn. And as a kid, you did nothing but play on your neighbor's lawn. Yeah. I want you guys to give me a take using a current or former NFL player, but make it ironic. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Cordero Patterson thinks the Vikings should draft route runners. Right? See? Because Cordero Patterson could run routes, thinks that. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, give me We're full of one-liners NFL today, player sure ironic are. statement. Should I go first? Yeah. I'm, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So with the, all right, I got two of them, and I'm not sure if these work, but like, would Blair Walsh wanting the field goal post to be wider be one of them? <laughs> Or would it be Lamar Jackson wanting more running backs drafted in the first round? Be So I think Blair Walsh would want the posts wider, so that's not ironic. That would be like if Blair Walsh said they should have the post be thinner. Mm. See how irony works? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was all backwards. Uh, now, how about this for Lamar Jackson? If he said Jalen Hurts needs to work out at running back. Mm. Ironic. Ironic. Stefan Stefan Diggs thinks the Vikings should draft more players who stay off Twitter and the gram. Yes, there you go. How about you that? About the gram, it's Insta. I call it the gram. My wife told me it's Insta. I was then told it's IG, and I was told that oh only old people that don't get it call it the gram. 
do. Which is why my platform now is to call it the gram as much as possible. <laughs> and by the way, Booney, it's as boring as can be. It's too nice. Oh, my People God. are too nice. It's not like Twitter where people are mean. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just pictures, dude. You yeah. can't be mean to someone's picture. Like, well, don't You comment. can use it to decide who wants to be traded, though. Uh, Jonathan? <laughs> yes. God bless Stefan. Uh, if you have, Steph. if you have, a, na- Diggs, if you have man. a national radio show, you certainly can. Go ahead, Jonathan. Anthony Barr thinks that the Vikings need to draft a pass rusher now that there's a hole in the defensive line. It didn't have a lot of bite, but it had the irony. And they actually probably do need to draft yeah, a... No, actually, that lacked both. <laughs> okay, sorry. I tried. I was going to say there's no way to win this. No, no, no there isn't. But right, the, my, 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 came other, through. my other one was that uh, Tom Brady thinks that teams should draft quarterbacks with ugly wives. What would Kirk Cousins be? Kirk Cousins thinks that um, you don't need to smile as much at the podium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like to. That was funny. I'd like to thank all the beat people for the great job you've done <laughs> this season. As I go off into the sunset after massively disappointing everybody. No, just tell them it was great. It was great. Great. <laughs> all right, yeah. we'll just move on. Uh, Everson Griffin, now a free agent. He might come back, but if he doesn't, he'll probably go to a place that plays the Vikings, and he'll get three sacks against the Vikings. Uh-huh. There's no question about that. That will happen yep. if he goes elsewhere. Uh, who is the player that you're most afraid of outside of Griffin hurting the Vikings or being uh, great elsewhere if the Vikings let him go? Um, you know, Just for example, if they let Trey Waynes go and he leads the league in interceptions. Yep. Like, who, I w- who would be that player? I'll start off by saying... Um, Detroit Lions safety Anthony Harris picks off <laughs> Kirk Cousins three times yeah. in the two games the Vikings play the Lions in 2020. Uh, I was thinking more Chicago Bears, Anthony Harris. But yeah, I mean, either one. They pay works. a safety right he, now, right? He, he's the yeah. one. If he goes somewhere else, he's definitely picking off Kirk. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go with Dan Bailey makes a game-winning field goal <laughs> against the Vikings if they let him go. That's the one you should be afraid of, because if you let Dan Bailey go, your kicker stinks, and Dan Bailey nails a game-winning field goal, that one's going to stink. Does he trash talk Zim? No. No, he's not like that that. at all. He's not at all. He's a super quiet guy. Blair Walsh did. He's he's actually one of the best guys to interview because when he misses field goals, he'll just break down what happened. Yeah. Like, well, I rushed it a little bit. He's not. He doesn't get defensive. There's no good way to ask someone how they botched something terribly. Like, hello. Player, what happened on that botched thing is the only thing you can do. And if the player's like, what do you mean? Like, well, I saw the ball go 50 yards to the left, and I think it's supposed to go through the yellow things. That's why it's great what the XFL does. (laughs) Interviews them immediately after they botched said kick. Uh, So so no matter how uh, sensitive you were about that with Blair Walsh, it was still like a defensive response, and it's not that way for Bailey. Did you have uh, one, John? Mine would be one they would never let go. It would be Daniil Hunter because he took the hometown discount for them. And then they let him go, and he'd just be mad about it. And so he'd sack Kirk Cousins or whoever the quarterback is seven times in I think one game. Linval could definitely yes. stuff the run for a game, and you know, like, and we know what happens when the Vikings can't run is they can't also do anything else. So that would happen. Who's Boones? I would have to say Diggs. I think if you yeah. if you got rid of Diggs, he'd be <laughs> so mad at yeah. you that he would be like, "Yo, uh, I'm, it is game on." Mm-hmm. He'd be out there looking yep. for people to like. Murder. He is that guy. Like, no, dude, you can't do that to me. Yeah, and you talked about his competitiveness. Oh, yeah. He has said before that he idolized someone like Kobe Bryant in that mentality, and you can see it that he internalized that and and 
plays that way. Oh, yeah. uh, last one for you guys. Jarvis Landry had hip surgery, which reminds me of his amazing HBO rant where he said, it's contagious, bro. It's contagious Great. talking about their culture, which it turned out to um, still be contagious <laughs> last year that they have not gotten rid of that illness. Uh, if you guys were to give an impromptu speech to a meeting room, you had zero prep, what would it be about? He just stood up in that meeting and gave his contagious bra speech. What would yours be about? Alex, you want to go first? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Mine would be about finding something and being passionate about what you do and the importance of finding that thing. I find a lot of people who settle into life doing something they don't enjoy, and they're like, I just don't have anything. And I guess my question is, are you telling me that everybody else or that you can't find something that makes you passionate? And if your first thought is, how much am I going to make at this thing? Then guess what? You're doing it wrong. My speech, if I could do it, would be about finding something. A motivational speech. Yeah, and forget the month. Forget, don't forget the money long term. But when you're starting off, don't worry about the money. Worry about the passion you feel towards what you're doing. Judd giving motivational speeches is not something I expected. Irony, everyone, if you needed a refresher on that. Well, I surprise you sometimes, don't I? Jonathan, what about you? I don't know what I would say because I'd be too terrified to get in front of a group of people and talk. Would you really? Yes. You could do something on soccer. I love it. Right? Probably, but public speaking That's the answer. Yeah, yeah, you just gave you the answer. Soccer is the answer. I'll just talk them to death with soccer? Okay. Yes. Well, share your passion. If your passion is going to shine through... People will, like, gravitate towards that. This is the point of the exercise. Something that you love so much and think about so much that you could just easily <laughs> give a speech on it. All right, Alex? I mean, I, I don't love this, but I just think that the more that I was in the league and the more I look around this world, it would be about handling rejection. And not only that, but the uh, having a fear. There's so many guys that don't know how to handle rejection sometimes or even getting beat failure. Like they don't they cr- they curl up and they crumble and sometimes you have to understand that in life you're going to fall, you're going to fail, you're going to be rejected by somebody. It's okay. Life goes on. There's a million people that have dealt with this, but when I was in the league, the last thing that I remember guys was like, "Man, that guy didn't handle being beat very well." And mm-hmm. I think that that's a true trait that a lot of guys don't have anymore is being able to say, hey, you know what, you're right, I failed, I messed up, it won't happen again. And that went into my, I always had to talk to guys about accountability because there was always guys that never wanted to take accountability for what happened. Like in a game, a coach would be like, who said this? And there would be not one hand would go up. And instantly you were like, dude, come on, everybody knows in the room who said it, just say it. But nobody would say anything. And you were like, dude, at some point you have to be accountable for your actions. Nobody's going to get mad or, you know, hate you. Yeah, we might be a little upset, like, why would you call that? But at the end of the day, we're all learning, we're all growing, we're all understanding why you made that call. And sometimes when you fail, you learn the answer and you're like, you know what, I'm never going to do that again. And that's truly what I think that most guys in this league need to understand. I think you just gave the speech. Well there done. Well done. That was good. That was really good. good. Yeah. Alex Boone's TED See? Talk. Uh, mine would be on fullbacks. You could just talk yeah, about fullbacks. And, and yeah, neck rolls. Just, yeah. uh, and here is why. And everyone would grow tired of it and roll their eyes and fall asleep. Hey, to be fair, I think another guy that would hurt this team would be CJ Ham. If he left, he would be like a battering ram for that week. Like, <laughs> heard, just expect him to come after. There could be some interest in the RFA market. Just saying. Oh, boy. Just saying. Oh boy. Heard that. Sources. <laughs> Sources. All right. Uh, you can't tell me that Kevin Stefanski doesn't want him because Kevin oh, Stefanski was... loves CJ Ham as, lo- as much as you people love your family members. So uh, let's take a break here. Um, Washington just released Jordan Reed, by the way, who should definitely retire because he's had way too many concussions. Um, so, but I, I want to ask you about an article about uh, speaking of Kevin Stefanski. Which team with a new head coach 
is going to be the most interesting. ESPN broke it down on their website. Let's talk about it when we come back. You'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. Join Score North at the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show this Friday, February 21st through Sunday, February 23rd. Your ticket includes gate admission, 14 free greens fee passes, plus seven bonus greens fee passes with advanced purchase courtesy of TwinCitiesGolf.com and one free polo shirt. Tickets and more information over at ScoreNorth.com, keyword golf. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. We'll get you back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, you can join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSDP at this year's JDRF1 Walk to Create a World Without Type 1 Diabetes. Saturday, February 22nd, you can join our team or donate to Team KSDP over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. Also over at scorenorth.com right now, Matthew Collar has an article about what the Vikings should do with Riley Reef. Derek Wetmore also has news and notes from spring training down in Fort Myers for the Twins, as well as how force plates are making hitters better with the Twins. That's over at scorenorth.com. The best price on everything golf is at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, February 21st through the 23rd at the Minneapolis Convention Center. All advanced paid tickets come with 21 green fee passes. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com to buy your tickets. Well, I think there's a number of different ways we can look at this. Like, first off, the Vikings had to make this move uh, one way or the other, whether it was Griffin choosing, because let's clarify here, he's one of two players in the NFL, the other one's Troy Hill in Los Angeles, um, who had a player void, player-controlled void in his contract. So it was his decision. If it wasn't going to automatically void whether he hit the sack number or hit the playing time, it would have been... In the end of the, at the end of the day, it would have been his decision, and obviously it was, which is a smart move because um, the Vikings were not going to be able to afford him at the thirteen point nine million dollar cap hit that he had in twenty twenty. There's just no way. That was ESPN's Courtney Cronin on the show earlier today. She was driving through Wisconsin and joined us via phone to talk about her report that Everson Griffin has indeed voided his contract, making him a free agent when the new league year begins. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Judd Zolgad. Well, Judd, give me uh, your take on whether the Vikings should try to work out a short-term deal to keep Everson Griffin in Minnesota. My initial inclination is no. My inclination is that you hire Dom Capers to hopefully free up Anthony Barr so that Mike can learn how Barr can pressure the quarterback. Your um, left end in Daniil Hunter is outstanding. He could probably flip to the right end. I think that you have a defense that is good enough to... And and keep in mind, too, the most important thing to me is Griffin is 32, okay? You've gotten a ton from this guy for a long time, but 32 in football years is no kid. And so I I would use that money probably on a different position, but certainly on a different player. If if Griffin was twenty eight, I'd be very tempted to go back. But you you got eight sacks last year on on what turned out to be a contract where he restructured to do you a favor. I very much if Mike comes to me and says, "Got to get him back," I would say, "Mike, we've done a lot of that." But in this case, I'm going to take that money and put it elsewhere. Alex, do you think that? They can fill his production with uh, a couple of guys rotating. Say they bring back Stephen Weatherly, Afadi Adenabo, and I don't know, maybe Vinnie Curry or something. And is yeah. it, you know, you put three guys in there, and yeah, it takes three guys instead of one, but you're still getting similar production. Is that possible? 
I don't know because I'm like we said before, and this is one of the things that I don't think most people understand is like when you get rid of a guy like Ev, number one, you're putting pressure on Bart because he's getting paid a lot of money. You brought in Dom Capers, you're clearly going to put this pressure on him now to be a pass rusher. But also, is Daniil Hunter going to be as effective anymore? I mean, when you talk about it's not those guys so much, it's like when everybody's concentrating on those guys, can everybody else step up? And that to me is, you saw that with the Rams. Like everybody's constantly focused on Aaron Donald, that nobody else really had a good year. They went to the Super Bowl. Remember the year they went to the Super Bowl? Like there was, their sacks were way down. Like nobody showed up because you can concentrate all your effort now on one guy. Everything's like, hey, listen. And for Barr, it's going to be, hey, listen, yeah, that's, it's Anthony Barr. He's nothing world-class beater. We don't have to focus our attention on him. We're not going to recreate our pass protections because he's out there. I mean, I remember games where we would go out there and be like, this week we're going to put in Mustang, and this Mustang protection automatically slides to this guy. And you were like, okay, well, he's officially a game-changer. He has changed <laughs> the game. That's Daniil Hunter. Now you've just handcuffed him to say, people say, hey, listen, He's only on the right side, so we're going to put a tight end on the right all the time. We're going to chip the right side. We're going to let our receivers come crack the right side. Like, is that is letting Ev go? How is that going to affect Daniil Anthony? I mean, I don't know if anybody can really step up and beat Ev because it's so hard to be like, man, who are we sliding to? I don't know. Either side could really destroy us, as opposed to. I don't know. I think we should just slide to Daniil right now. I think we're good with that. I mean, that's where I think he's really not going to show up anymore. And I remember listening to Daniel Jeremiah's podcast, and he was talking about how even if older guys who are proven are not the same as they used to be, the football men are still scared of them. Yes. So he was yes. saying that you know they were rolling coverage toward Antonio Gates when he was 35. It was like, uh, guys, you know, he's 35. He's... <laughs> He's going to catch it if they throw it his way, but he's not a game-breaker like he was when he was 27 or something. And and yet, um, coaches are still going to give that respect to Everson Griffin, and there's something to that. Can you explain that further about how it, one defensive end would impact another one to give Daniil Hunter some favorable matchups if the respect is being shown toward Everson Griffin? Well, absolutely. Number one, you're on two opposite sides, so it's really hard to protect two sides. What you would do is you would normally slide one way and then have your back chip the other way. But now if you're going to go out there as a team, if I'm a team, I'm looking at this, and, and you don't have Linval anymore, and yeah, you got guys in the middle that are young and that still have to prove themselves. So right now, in the beginning of the year, most teams are going to say, hey, listen, wherever Daniil is is where we're going to slide to. We need to get our help to him, and we're going to chip that way from now on. I mean, you have when you have two defensive ends, the honus becomes who's hot, who's not, where are we sliding, where are we weak, can we chip, do we have time to chip? You know, and, and you're getting rid of so many defensive parts for the Vikings, it's really going to make this defense look different, and it's also going to put a lot more on Daniil to have to beat a lot of people to get sacks. Football. Lots of football right there. So much football right, th- right there. Do we think that Joseph is going to come back on a restructured contract? I have a tough time seeing it. So you think he'll just say no? I think he will. I think he'll go out to the free agent market and see if he can so, get another big contract. So at what loss do do you guys become concerned? I'll give you mine, okay? Go ahead. And this is a tough one because I don't think I can pay two guys who play the same position this much. But the Anthony Harris loss to me is a concerning loss. If they lose him. If they lose him. But I'm, I, but I'm just saying, Griffin Griffin is 32, and he's done some great things, and I like him, and, and I get everything that Alex just spelled out for us. But there are just some inevitable things that are going to happen throughout the course of the decision-making process. The one that would... The first concerning decision to me about that becomes very difficult 
is Anthony Harris. I'm curious, Alex, what you think and how you would rank your positional values on defense. As someone who had to go against defenses every single week, like where does safety rank in terms of high. players who cause you problems? So high, especially for an offensive lineman. If you're a good safety, dude, you can disguise everything for a defense. And that's why people don't understand why. Like when I came in the league, coming from college, it was always like, where's the mic? Like just finding the mic was such a problem for us. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because we're just such idiots in college. We were like, is he the mic? Like, okay, he's not the mic. All right, well, then is he the mic? They're like, no, that guy's on the sideline. You're like, oh my God, I don't even know who the mic is. When you get to the NFL, it's like, which safety is down? Is he messing with you? Are Who's playing safety? Is he the nickel? I mean,. When you have a guy like Anthony Harris and a guy like Harrison Smith in the back end that can flip-flop either side, that can rotate at the drop of a hat, that is so important for a defense because as an offense, and this is weird and it's going to sound weird, but we always used to like to take the big boys to the party is what they would say in San Francisco. So if we know the blitz is coming from the left, even that's why they say 2-3-jet chip wasp. It's 2-3-jet because it could be 2 and we'll slide left. But if the pressure comes from the right, well, then we're going to kill it. It becomes three automatically, and now we go Rocco. And so if you can have a safety that's down like Harrison, and he's on the right, well, instantly I'm like, dude, I think it's coming from over here. I mean, he's right here looking at me. He can almost feel me. Like, he's real close. He's coming. At the last second, he takes off running, and here comes Anthony Harris on the other side. You're like, dude, we're sliding in the completely wrong direction. <laughs> like, now, all of a sudden, the hot routes show up, right? We start talking about wide receivers that become They're divas out. because you don't know what your hot route is, and if two takes two or does take one, dude, there's so much it takes for an offense that when you have great safety play, it can ruin a game for an offensive line. Football. Yes. That is football. Yes. football. I am tearing up right now. Yeah. I'm welcome. I've become emotional. In I studio. just tackled Jonathan through the glass. Uh, guys, I'm getting uh, fired up too. Extremely football. I now here, here's what I think. Uh, other than all the crazy football stuff you said, uh, that it makes a lot of sense from the bigger perspective to keep Anthony Harris, even if it's really expensive. Um, for one, you can always structure it so he has a reasonable contract hit or co- a salary cap hit for this year and then deal with it down the line a little bit when you can make a little more space. Let's say you draft a left tackle and then next year Riley Reef's coming off the books. Maybe Kyle Rudolph after next year is coming off the books as well. Maybe even Kirk Cousins is coming off the books. They know that or they have a sense of that and they can act accordingly and, and sign Harris to a reasonable cap hit early and then big money later and get him lots of cash and, and they know how to do that. Um, but from the perspective of how it impacts your defense, the Vikings had about the worst cornerback play you could have this year from Xavier Rhodes, and they still finished fifth in points, and they still finished as a really good defense against the pass, top 10 against in passer rating, in part because of Eric Hendricks and Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, in very large part because of them, uh, because they controlled the middle of the field, because they confused defenses. And one of my favorite things, Alex, to watch is Mike Zimmer and those safeties on mm. third down. Like, you got the noise, you got the safeties, they're coming up, they're dropping back, and, and you see opposing offenses just have no idea what they're doing, and then all of a sudden, Daniel Hunter just walks back and sacks the quarterback, and everyone's <laughs> like, well, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. They can take a lot. I mean, dude, I remember one time I was playing Harry. I swear to God, I was looking right at him, and I was like, listen, John, we got to slide this way. So I start pointing at him. He, like, winks at me. 
Like, dude, <laughs> you just made the biggest mistake of your life. And I, at the snap, he takes off running. And my first thought was he got me. And when you think about that for the rest of the game, now all of a sudden the offensive line is just mushed. <laughs> because we're like, is he playing with us? Is he messing with us? Is he really coming? Because if he comes, he's a real threat. Like, at times, oh, yeah, I would not want to yep. – I don't want to put him on the back. And we would sit down and we would say, hey, listen, at times during the season, number one, Cam Chancellor is always considered a down lineman. Like, he is, without a doubt, the craziest uh-huh. safety I've ever played. <laughs> but Harry was another one. You'd say, hey, listen, he's considered a linebacker. If he's in the box, we have to count him as a threat because you can't mm. put him on a running back all the time because he is so physical and strong and savvy. So if you take Anthony Harris away from this defense and he's no longer playing with Harris and Smith, it's tough. is Anthony Harris the same player in, let's say, Detroit? Yeah. I don't think the Vikings' defense will be the same. I think that the the Vikings' defense will take more of a hit than Anthony Harris will going to Detroit. Listen, a great ball-hawking player will always be a great ball-hawking player. They just have natural instincts and skills. They understand routes. I know that this combination will lead to these three possible route combinations. So it's like... Those guys are brilliant at what they do. The question is, can you still get the deceiving safety play, like you said, on third down is the most exciting to watch them because you literally see these guys take off in a dead sprint right before the snap, and you know that they got the offense. Can you do that with another guy that you're saying, hey, listen, he might be young, he might be unproven, but we can still do it. I mean, it takes a lot of confidence to be a safety like that. There's a heck of a lot of value in knowing Zimmer's defense also, and I, I think he believes in that as well. Someone like Anthony Barr got overpaid. I don't think there's any debate about that. But part of Zimmer's argument was, find me a guy who understands this at the PhD level who's going to be such an integral part of it. And I I think there's validity to that. And the same thing would go for Anthony Harris. Find me someone who can be on the same page with communication all the time with Harrison Smith like that. And also, the other part of it, too, is ball hawking is a rare skill. I I, I don't think that there are many guys who can consistently do it. It's a lot of... Oh, a guy overthrew the ball over the receiver by 17 yards, and it landed in this guy's hand, so he got an interception. Good for you. Anthony Harris did it in college. He did it right when he came into the league and got his starting job after Andrew Sandejo got hurt, and he continued to do it last year. I wouldn't expect him to lead the league in picks every year, but there's something to that of him having a really impressive brain that puts him in positions to make plays, and then when it comes his way, he catches it. Right. And, you know, the one thing about defensive guys is they use their talent so much better than offensive guys. And I think it's because, number one, they don't have to play with the football. They just have to find the football. And when you talk about a defense, if you're talking about bringing in an Anthony Harris, your defense is now going to switch for him. It's like, hey, uh, what are we doing with him? We're making him the star of this show, right? We want this guy to be the guy getting the ball, right? Because that's what he can naturally do. So when you talk about a guy going like that, he's only going to elevate your defense. And you're stuck with a big hole back at the safety position here. Uh, just wanted to bring something up that came across Twitter that you'll appreciate, Alex. And then I have something else I want to ask you guys both about. Andrew Brandt uh, brought this up on Twitter. He is used to work for ESPN. He used right? to work for the Packers, salary cap guy. Yeah, he was okay. Brzezinski for years. So Ooh. he tweeted this. This is exactly what Alex Moon said earlier on the show. If I'm the NFLPA, I'm concerned with how much the owners want to do this deal right now because owners have, this is sort of just breaking, they've submitted a CBA. Yeah, so this is hilarious. They accepted it. They right, they all the owners ex- they, did. Yes. The owners accepted they got together it and, like we love our CBA. Now they're submitting it to the players. Didn't I tell you you need to be very careful because these dudes are sneaky snakes. And, <laughs> and Alex, but but we've seen this before. I love the fact that they go to 
reporters now, right? They're like, we have the CBA drawn up. It's all ready to go. It just has to be ratified. The, the players are going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa yeah, hold on a second here. things in here we don't want. Yeah, what did you, I tell you? So, what did I tell you they're going to do? They're going to pit the public against the players. Mm-hmm. We're going to give them $100 million, and they're going to say no to this? How dare them? Well, Don't forget, these dudes are walking away with over $5 billion between 32 guys. Hey, I'm D, I'm D. Smith, and I am uh, representing you. Do you know what I say to the public? We are the only sport in which in which we don't have guaranteed salaries. And for the extra game, that's all we want. Guaranteed salaries. And everybody else does it, so why not these guys? And the yeah. owners are going to bristle, and at that point in time, I'm going to turn on them and say, so you really think that those are the good guys, huh? Because they're not even willing to guarantee the salaries for the most dangerous sport that exists. I This, is, this should be a war. It's going to be. I'm telling I mean, if it's not, I'm concerned. And I'm, I've been saying this for weeks. The guy's like, dude, they're getting it done so quickly. I'm like, listen, I was there for the last one. It didn't get done quickly, and we still weren't happy at the end because we're not happy. I mean, they're, if you're going back to the drawing table, and they wanted to come back so much earlier, and it was like, why are they doing Why are they in such a rush to do all this? Well, it's because they're going to get exactly what they want. Yes. And didn't we talk? on Tuesday about the funding rule. I told you guys the only reason they sit behind that they won't guarantee everything is because they say, hey, listen, if we guarantee every contract, well, then we have to write a $200 million check. Dude, you're worth a trillion dollars. You can <laughs> right. easily yeah. write that check. Yep. You just don't want to because it's an easy out saying, hey, listen, this money's for my investments. I don't need to put it towards this. I'm losing money. And then everybody in the general public goes, technically, they're not wrong. They are losing out on their investment. You get rid of that rule because you know everybody could fund $200 million, $300 million whatever it is, you watch. Get rid of that rule. I guarantee you all the players will be like, you can absolutely have whatever you want. Why do you think that the public so often sides with management on these things? It's it's weird because oh, that's people, easy. I mean, more people are the working class, of course. They call them the 1% for a reason. And so you should look at the players and say, well, that's kind of me, and I want more money myself, <laughs> so I should want that guy to get more money and fight for what he's worth. And yet with sports, it just doesn't work that way. Well, because everybody says that they would do it for free. I'd play oh, in the NFL sure. for yeah, free. Yeah, yeah. I no, would do wouldn't. it. No, no, nope, no, no, not a would. chance. Dude, I can tell you right now, I've no, called in wouldn't. my house a few times after games. Like, I can't walk. <laughs> Give me a minute. I'll be okay. I just need a minute. Like, there's so much more that goes into that. And people are constantly like, you guys want more? Isn't right. it the natural reaction of a human to want more? We're all greedy. We all want everything. That's what we are. We're humans. We're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take more. I can get more. Yeah, absolutely. The problem is the owners turn around and they pit it against the player. Like, look how much he's already making. That could suffice a, a family for a lifetime. And this guy wants more. He makes that in a year. And he wants more money than that. It's easy for a fan to turn around and go, that is an exorbitant amount of money. That is $50 million is a lot of money a year. Like, yes, I can see him just taking 20 and being happy. It's easy to do that. But you have to remember, these owners, dude, they are beyond wealthy. They know what they're doing. They've been in these fights. They know how to pit us against the public, and they're good at it. And I just I wish the public would see, like, hey, listen, these guys playing were just like us. They're exactly us. They, we should want these guys to succeed more than the owners. Absolutely. This is what brings our communities up. These guys use their platform for good. Not Now, I'm not saying everybody does like Antonio Brown clearly didn't, but <laughs> there are guys out there that are doing great things for great communities and helping donate money back and giving everything they can. And the owners will so quickly turn on them, and so will the public, which is sometimes sad to me because it's like, dude, we're just the same person. We should all be mad at that guy. 
<laughs> and but yeah. the the concussion thing to me should be if I was the PA a primary point of contention because you cannot add a seventeenth game and another round or basically more playoff teams right and then come back and actually say but we are concerned about your health they that's so I yeah. mean if I'm the PA I go to a podium and I use that one and say hold on a second here so I don't care how much more we get financially. You, on one hand, are saying that you're concerned about me when, when I'm 65 and potentially can't walk or recall my own name. But on the other hand, for the greater good, let's play another week or, in their minds, too, because they, they clearly want to go to 18 and more playoff games. Like, that doesn't work. The public, uh, the public should at least be – that should be hammered home continually, I think. But the public will never see it like that because you're making millions of dollars to do what you do. And then the owner's like, by the way, we're going to give them $100 million more dollars to play yeah. with. So everybody's like going to turn around and go, dude, you guys are rich. Because everyone thinks money is the easy out. Like, dude, it's, you guys are wealthy. You're rich. You have nothing to worry about. When you're right, half of us can't walk. And I've talked to guys that you're like, dude, are you okay? Are you you all there up there? Everything's good? You're good? I'm good. I'm great. Yeah, no, I'm okay. Are you okay? And you see these guys and you're like, dude. I feel bad for the guys that played in the 70s and mm-hmm. the 80s that didn't have anything. One of the biggest things I learned in the PA was everything that the guys before us did and the strikes that they went through and what they had to do just to get their uniforms washed by the team. You were like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, they used to make the guys take their own jerseys home and wash them. Like, they didn't even care. You're like, wow, these guys really did fight for something. And at the end of the day, what are we giving up? Because you're giving up a lot for an extra game. That's a lot of concussions you're talking about. That's a lot of injuries to possibly even major players. And then on top of it, you say, hey, we're adding another game. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, now that 17th game became really important because another team's going to sneak in there. Like, There's a lot that goes into it. And I think that Eric Winston coming out and saying, hey, listen, we still need to vote on it is something big to watch for. Uh, this is reported here that owners do not feel like it's up to the players to expand the playoffs. They think that they can do that without the players imp- uh, approving. Oh, for 2020. Yeah, okay. for, for 2020. Yes. Yep, I got you. So that right. might happen pretty fast, which I think, we're, even though you know we're talking about this uh, and how players are against 17 games, I'm okay with the expanded playoffs if they want to do it. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to matter a ton. Can we in get terms the seating? Teams, can we get but... the seating fixed though? Why? What because, do you, by well, how do you mean? Because if there and there are you know years where a five hundred team or below can win oh, a division, yeah. and can we oh, fix? Yeah. Can we fix the seating so they can't host a game? Yep. It's, uh, oh yeah, yes. that would be so fair. Yeah, I agree with that. One hundred percent. Yep. 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 Yep, for yep. sure. Hey, uh, by the way, why do they even have divisions anymore? If it's like, hey, listen, we're just going to start throwing these seven. Like, at some point, you might as well just start calling yeah, yourself right. the East and the West and being like, listen, top yep. seven get in, number one doesn't have to play, and everybody else, good luck. I like having the divisions from the standpoint of Vikings play the Bears twice. But aside from that, yep. in terms of how they put them in the playoffs, I don't think it should matter. If you win your division at 7-9, and nine, you shouldn't get in. I don't care what the playoff format is. Time out. So... Did you just say you're okay with them playing the Bears twice a year? The one team that beats them regardless yes. of how good they are? Yes. Are you serious with that? I don't have to lose that game. <laughs> I just have to sit in that Chicago press box, which has mediocre food. Mm, so, good point. And Send people, me to Kansas City. And there you go. Can talk we get the Vikings in the Kansas City division? So I can you want to go to the AFC? <laughs> you no, want to switch conferences? I want to go to Kansas no. City and eat their food. Uh, Alex Boone, great stuff, man. We will talk to you on, uh, well, we'll try to connect with you when we're at the Combine. Dude, let's do it. All right, sounds good. Uh, Judd, you're coming up next. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you for listening here at Purple Daily. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 